Riding the Bus, powered by Best in the U.S. Showcases. I'm your host, Trey Fowler, and our goal here each time is simple. To help the listener grow closer to reaching their potential in the game of baseball through the help of some of the game's best and brightest coaches and players. Without further ado, let's get on the bus. And welcome to a special edition of Riding the Bus, powered by Best in the U.S. Showcases. I'm your host, Trey Fowler, and I'm going to be joined on today's episode by our production manager, Matt Williams, co-founder of Best in the U.S. Showcases. Matt, how are you today, my friend? I am doing excellent. I'm excited for this, excited to spend some time, and excited to get into some questions. Absolutely. This is our very first edition of Ask the Bus in which we reached out to you, our listeners, about some questions that you might have as it pertains to the recruiting world, player development world, whatever's on your mind, we want to answer those questions for you. And we've got several great questions today. We hope that as this keeps going, as we do these episodes once a month, we'll get more and more questions so that we can ultimately help more players, parents, coaches, whatever the case may be, with the questions that they want answers to. Matt's going to fire the questions at me. I'll answer those, and we will have a great episode today. Matt, are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Question number one of the day comes from Marty Davis. And this is the question, Trey. How do we get a 100% ride to play baseball? It's the num- Baseball is the number two ge- money generator in the NCAA, only behind basketball. 11.7 scholarships while fielding 30-some-plus athletes. Why pay to play? That's a great question. Thank you very much for submitting that question. I've actually attacked this one several times over the past couple of weeks. But first and foremost, let's talk about full rides. In baseball, they don't exist very often, unfortunately. Um, You might see that in junior college. There will be some junior college teams that have full rides, but with the 11.7 across Division I baseball, makes it very tough to invest in a player a full scholarship when you are trying to divide that money between generally 27 players, and that's what it'll go back to next year. This year, it's at 32 players. So when you look at that on the grand scheme of things, if they're trying to divvy their money out equally, it's about point, a little bit over 0.4 scholarships per player if they're trying to divvy it out equally. So if you're looking for 100%, here's my advice. Number one, be a great student, because if you're a great student, academic money at most places can be tacked on to that baseball money, which will start to add a package together for you. If there's financial need to to go on top of that, then that's where you start getting to talk about possible 100% packages. The other thing that I'll encourage for you to do if that is something that's important to you, most of the money that college coaches are using, most of the scholarship money is going to be divided in the middle of the field. The lion's share of the money is going to go to the catchers, the pitchers, the shortstop, the center fielder. Sometimes your bigger bats will get a larger percentage, maybe over 0.4 of a scholarship, but a lot of times the money is 
focused on the middle of the field. Really depends on the coach, the program, what they believe in, how they believe in dividing their recruiting money up. To kind of give you a peek behind the curtain, we had nine guys in the last program I coached at Kennesaw State that received over that typical 0.43.45 package. And most of those guys were concentrated in the middle of the field. Our Friday night starter, our shortstop, our center fielder, those were the main guys getting the lion's share of that money. You're right. At a lot of places, baseball could be a number two generator sport. That's not the case all across the country. For many schools, that baseball is a sport that might actually lose that school money. So that's why you see the partial scholarships. Is it right? No, but there are obviously a lot of things about college baseball with them only having two full-time paid assistants. There are a lot of issues there, but at the end of the day, to better yourself, to give yourself the best package possible, be the best student you could possibly be, bring value to a team, and that's what's going to give you your biggest package. 100% rides aren't out there very often, but if you're a great pitcher, if you go the junior college route, that's probably your best chance to receive one of those. And Trey, I, while you're answering that question, I just feel like I need to jump in with a, a little more color on this answer, just as you know, because it's so personal to me. So I played at um, played at Duke as a catcher, and so I was in the middle of the middle of the field, right, being able to um, get some attention. And um, Duke made me a great offer. I was high on the recruiting list, but it was only thirty five percent. And um, it's Duke; it's expensive, like a lot of schools are. Well, um, because I was a good enough student to get admitted to Duke as a student athlete. I was then applied to need-based financial aid, and that package came in north of 90%. So just to put a little personal experience on your answer and encourage all of our listeners that to get to um, as much money as possible in terms of financial aid, the, the more skills you bring to the table on and off the field, in the classroom, on the field, everything like that, the better, because that's exactly what allowed me to be able to go um, live my dream, play at Duke was the actual, the need-based financial aid, not just the athletic scholarships. So um, just had to jump in there because that one is, uh, is close to home for me. That's great, great info. That's a direct you know, answer from a guy who played Division I baseball at the highest level, what his package looked like. You're not going to get that everywhere. You get that here on Ask the Bus. All right, question number two of the day comes from Jane Lally. This is a great question because we are multi-sport advocates. So here we go. My son is a four-sport athlete. With his schedule, it's almost impossible to attend any camps or showcases. Any suggestions? Yes, ma'am. Another great question. I really appreciate you taking the time to send that to us. The first thing that I would encourage for you to do is have dialogue with his coaches across those sports. That's where it has to begin because I know many times at the high school levels, the coaches you know, want their time with that guy and they don't want that to be impeded by another sport or a camp or anything. But I think that the thing that those guys really need to do, they need to look in what is in the best interest of the student athletes. So having direct dialogue with those coaches, getting them to um, buy into what your son wants to ultimately accomplish, what sport he wants to pursue, what he has his passion in, what he enjoys the most. I think that they, as soon as they understand that, maybe they're a little bit more willing to give him the opportunity he needs to be able to go and showcase himself. And he's probably getting to the point in time where he needs to make a decision about 
which one of those sports he truly wants to pursue. I had a high school teammate of mine that, that I played with. When we were growing up, he was football and a baseball guy. He was the best player at every age group. He continued playing both sports all the way through high school. And other players started going more to one sport. Those players passed him in ability level. Those guys actually got a chance to move on and play in college while he were playing, dividing his attention and his time between both sports and didn't get quite that opportunity. Had another guy I played with, same scenario, baseball, football player. He got a chance to go on and play both sports in college, but after his freshman year, he dropped football, went to baseball only. So there comes a point in time in every athlete's career where they've got to make a decision. What do they want to pursue? What do they want to pursue in college? And they have to start focusing their effort and intention on that. Doesn't necessarily have to come early in their high school career, but at some point we do need to make that decision. But I think having dialogue with all the coaches, making them understand, hey, what are your son's desires? What are his goals? What does he want to accomplish? And then asking them to be have a little bit of flexibility and allowing him to attend events if baseball is the sport that he wants to pursue, allowing him a little bit of flexibility to attend events so that he can showcase himself, so that he can ultimately put himself out in front of college coaches, give himself the best chance to move on. All right. Moving on to question three of this Ask the Bus episode comes from John Albright. This question, Trey, is how do I know that a particular showcase is not a money grab and that the coaches advertised to be there will show up? Another great question, John. I appreciate that. We get this one a lot, obviously, in the, in the business that we uh, work in. And I want to encourage you, you don't really know if the coaches there are going to show up at, at many events. Because here, here's the problem. I, I've coached in college baseball for two decades. There were many times where I received emails that said, hey, I heard you're going to be at this event. Look forward to seeing it. And I had never heard of that event before. That event had never been something that was on my radar. So there are people out there that are not doing things the right way. They're advertising people that they don't know for sure are going to show up or that they've never contacted. One thing that I can assure you of, if you come to a best in the U.S. event, every coach that is on the page that is being advertised to be there at some point has committed to attend. We send out emails to coaches around the country before the registration for the event ever goes live. And we make those lists based on the coaches that sign up to be there. In addition, Nolan Mansfield does a great job, owner of Best in the U.S. He does a great job at following up with coaches. Only showcase person I've ever seen in my entire coaching career that would follow up to ensure that the coaches were going to be there. Not just a week before the event, but two months before the event, a month before the event, a few weeks before the event. So the coaches definitely cannot forget that that event is on their calendar. Now, some things change. Coaches change jobs. They change responsibilities. Something comes up last minute. I can't speak for all the showcase events or companies out there. I know how we do it in Best in the U.S. Guys have to sign up. They would never be on the list to be there if they haven't signed up or continue to confirm their attendance all throughout leading up to the event. Hope that answers your question. Hope you, that gives you some insight into the events. And then as you're looking for events, I think it's important for you to really look and search for the value. What value is the event offering? Is it simply an opportunity to showcase 
the player in front of those coaches, that's that's a value, especially if the coaches that are going to be there are somewhere that your son would like to go to school. But search for events that are going to give you more than that. Search for events that are not only going to give you the opportunity to be seen, but the opportunity to get some instruction. That's something I'm huge on at Best in the U.S. That's something we take into the next level. That's why we bring in professional guys like Brandon Geyer to talk about the mental game. We want each guy to leave our events better than they walked in. That's my goal every time I step out there at one of our events, and I hope that we make that a reality. But Things that also going in terms of our events, we give video feedback, we give metrics, all things that guys can use. So when you consider events, search for the value that you're going to get out of it. Is there instruction? Is there video component to it? Are there metrics that you can receive? Or is it simply just, hey, I get to showcase myself in front of the college coaches that are in, in attendance. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is, you know, search for events where you have the opportunity to play in a game. You simply going out there and taking five ground balls and taking some swings, that is not enough to truly jump on anybody's radar. You want to be able to do the showcase portion and play in a game. That's how you truly jump on a coach's radar and get their attention. That's kind of my thoughts in terms of the showcase environment. Appreciate that question and hope to see you guys at a Best in the U.S. event this summer. All right, moving on to the next question of the episode comes from Samantha Corbin. And the question is, at what point should a player begin attending camps or showcases? Great question here as well. Um, Thank you, Samantha, for this question. I don't think there's necessarily a time that's too early. You definitely don't want to go overboard early in a high school player's career. But I think getting experience and getting some of those nerves and jitters out of the way and also getting some feedback that could help in terms of your development across the rest of your high school career is important. For me, I didn't go to my first showcase event. They weren't really a thing when I was in high school, but I didn't go to my first one until uh, my the fall of my senior year and did not do very well. Uh, struck out three times, pitched okay, but just didn't have the performance that I thought I was capable of. But that prepared me for my only other showcase opportunity, which is what led to me having the opportunity and the ability to play college baseball. So I don't think there's ever necessarily a time where it's too early, because I think that experience is valuable. You getting in there and seeing what a showcase is all about, especially if it's an event that will offer you some feedback as to where you are and give you a vision as to where you want to be. Samantha, thanks for the question. Absolutely great, great question there. And one thing one thing that comes to mind too, Trey, um, if I can jump in here with, the, again, context from my coaching and playing experience is I love what you said that, you know, getting some experience, being in an uncomfortable situation, playing in front of strangers, with strangers, you know, getting those jitters out is huge. Another thing is, I went to a really prominent showcase the summer after my junior year and was told that I don't have the skill set to play division one baseball. And then two weeks later, I went to another showcase and that's where um, I got contacted by several division one schools that were very interested in actively recruiting me. And I share that simply to say that if you start a little bit earlier, that gives you some more time to get some of that feedback that, Trey was talking about because not every showcase and every evaluator is going to be the same. And I I would hate for a player to go to one showcase and there happens to not be a coach that doesn't, that that doesn't like them there. And then they take that as 
a prescription that I will never be good enough for a college coach to like me when that's just not the case. So um, not waiting until the very last minute, just give you some more flexibility. And that can help with, um, you know, just the evaluation part of the process because not every player is the best fit for every college. So just want to jump. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that, Trey, but that's some experience from my end. College coaches value different things. College programs across the country value different things. Guys are recruited at Kennesaw State. People may not recruited at the University of Georgia or at Georgia State or whatever the case may be. Doesn't matter what you bring to the table as long as a coach values it. And there are things that I valued that other guys didn't value. The key is putting yourself in those environments to be around a wide array of coaches and see who values what you do bring to the table. All right. Moving on to uh, question five of the episode comes from Phil Lee. And the question is as follows. What do college coaches think about a player who has attended multiple different high schools or played for multiple different travel teams? Phil, thanks for the question. I think me as a college coach, if I ever saw a guy that had played for multiple travel teams, played at multiple different high schools, that's always a red flag. And as a coach, you've got to do some digging there to see exactly what's going on. Is there more to it? Is that a guy that's always searching for what's best for him and not necessarily what's best for the team? Is that why he continues to leave? It's always a red flag, though. And I think there are some coaches that won't take the extra time to do the digging that they need to do to find out exactly what the cause of that jumping from school to school and team to team is. They might just mark you off the list right away. So if you're considering jumping from a team to another team for, from school to a school and take that into heavy consideration that some coaches won't do digging to find out, Hey, maybe that coach you played for was, was not a good dude. And you wanted to find a better environment. Maybe that school that you were at for some reason you had to move out of district or your mom got a new job or dad got a new job and you had to move. They might not do necessarily the digging if they see a repetitive action of you jumping from team to team to team and school to school to school. Definitely a red flag, definitely a bad look. So if you're listening to this episode and that's something you're thinking about doing, give it strong consideration. Coaches really value guys that are willing to stick things out, be committed, because ultimately that's what they're looking for you to do in college baseball is stick it out and be committed. What are you going to do when your freshman year doesn't go the way that you want it to go? Are you going to run and leave and go search for an opportunity? Are you going to dig in, fight, and become a better player as a result? Diamonds are made with pressure. Are you going to be the diamond in the rough? Or are you going to be the guy that runs away and tries to find an easier opportunity? If you do, I can promise you, you're never going to be the player you have the chance to be. So, Trey, with your coaching experience, follow-up question to that, because um, what if, if what if the kid's in a scenario like a military family, a sales position where their, their parent gets transferred and – some of that movement is out of their control. What recommendations would you have for a player to kind of nip that red flag in the bud as quickly as possible to make sure that they that they get it out there to coaches that, yes, I bounced around, but it's for a reason other than what you just described? Absolutely. They can have open dialogue with the coaches that might show interest in them, let them know. And I, and I think coaches are smart enough to understand the difference between a guy moving from state to state and a guy moving from school to school within the same state without 
within the same area. I think that the within the same state, within the same area is a bigger red flag than a guy moving state to state. Obviously, there are military families, there are sales families. Job changes are going to happen, but I think it's a bigger red flag if it's the same in the same states, same travel teams in the same area or same high schools in the same area. That's generally a bigger red flag than anything else. All right, coming up to our sixth and final question of the episode today. This one's from Dominic Morani. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Dominic. But his question is, what kind of advice do you have for an overseas player trying to get recruited? Um, Dominic, thank you for your question. A great one. And actually one I've gotten a couple of times over the last six months or so. And the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is kind of do your research with players that are, that are around you from your country that have went on to play college baseball, a lot of times you'll see a lot of programs that will recruit internationally, and you'll see a common theme there. Try to identify what those schools are and try to make connection with those coaching staffs, get your video in front of them, get your metrics in front of them so they can evaluate that. There are some schools that simply do not recruit internationally, either because it's a little bit tougher of a process or maybe because they don't have the financial money that they would need to really put a great package together for an international student. I know at the first school that I coached at, Truett McConnell College in Cleveland, Georgia, there for a while we were giving half price to international students. So if I could find an international Baptist student, that was the perfect scenario for me. They got a half price scholarship before any baseball money we could make school really, really affordable for them. Not every school has something like that. But if you do your research and your homework of which schools value international students, which schools have a lot of international students on the roster, that's a coaching staff that's used to working with internationals. The process will be a lot easier. It'll be a lot more streamlined. You'll probably get the best financial control package that you could possibly ask for. So that's where it starts. Do your homework. Try to figure out which programs are recruiting international students um, regularly. That's where you start. And then you try to get your video, your metrics, your name in front of them. And if you can, try to come to the States and attend an event where you're going to have several of those schools in attendance. I know that we've had many players come to events from outside the country, whether it be Canada or a litany of other places, two best in the U.S. events. I actually got to see a kid uh, a few years back that was an international student at a best in the U.S. event, made contact with him, watched him. He's now playing Division I baseball in the States. So I would encourage you, if you have the means and the ability, come to an event that has a lot of coaches that will be in attendance and preferably a lot of coaches that recruit international players. But I think doing your homework is the first and most important thing. If there are schools that you like that you're sending information to and you're not getting feedback back from them, they might just not recruit many international students. And if a coaching staff is not used to that, if that's not something in their wheelhouse, that's not something that they're generally going to do. Hope that answer gives you some information, gives you some feedback. Hope that's something that you can utilize to help in your recruiting process. So Trey, this is something I know you're passionate about and you, you speak about it regularly at the events. Um, you, you do this um, with it and, and for kids and families, but what kind of role could 
an advocate help uh, with a player who hasn't, who they're in an international scenario, or maybe they have a niche degree that they're looking for. So how can an advocate kind of help along with that process as they're trying to, you know, find the right fit with a little more challenges than just your, you know, run of the mill suburban American kid that doesn't care where they go. Absolutely. I think a recruiting advocate in this day and age is huge for all players in, in our co- post COVID world, where spots on college rosters are lower than they've ever been and there are less available out there, having someone with a background that can fight on your behalf, that has a background with college coaches, college coaches ultimately listen to the guys that they trust. And they trust generally nobody more than a guy who's been there as a coach, a guy that's been there as a player. And that is who that they are putting their stock and their investment in, especially this time of year where they can't necessarily go out. They can't watch as much. So a guy that's willing, an advocate that's willing to get out there, see the player for them, get video to them and put their name behind a player is huge all across college baseball from division one all the way down division two, three NAIA junior college. So having an advocate for yourself as a baseball player, as a recruit in this post-COVID world is huge in ultimately achieving your dreams and goals in college baseball. If anybody's looking for someone to be that advocate for them, please reach out to me, atbrecruiting.com. Go on our website, fill out the information for a free consultation. I'd love to sit down and talk with you and your parents about what you're trying to accomplish and seeing if I can help you get there. That closes out this week's episode, our first ever edition of Ask the Bus. Man, I had a good time. What about you, Matt? This is a, it was a blast. I'm just super excited to be getting questions from families and be able to dive in and just continue to share as much information as we possibly can to help kids, uh, you know, achieve their dreams. So it was good, good stuff. Absolutely. That is what we're here for. We are here to not only take your player development to the next level for you to throw thing after thing on that development bus to keep it rolling at top speed, but also once a month to answer your questions about recruiting, player development, anything in the realm of baseball. We want to be a source for you to get your questions answered so that you ultimately can have the best baseball experience that you could possibly imagine. That's our time for this week. We'll be back next week with another coach episode of Riding the Bus. It's going to be Vanderbilt's Tyler Shoemaker, so you don't want to miss next week's episode. Until then, keep that development bus rolling at top speed, and we'll see you next time.